1: you return that I might live in
2: my house. True prayer is petitioning God for what you would like him to do, but it is asking and not telling him what to do. Remember, the real purpose of prayer is not to get our will done, but God's will done in us and through us. Don't don't ever forget that. He is the Lord, I am his servant. He is not bound to do what I ask. And I gotta tell you something, many times he doesn't do the things that I ask him to do. God isn't
0: your spiritual vending machine. You don't get to put in a prayer and then get out exactly what you want. Instead, you go to him continually. Be committed to His ways. Seek His favor and His guidance. And then your prayers will be within His will. As Pastor Mike encourages us today, God can bless His children however He sees fit. He knows the plans He has for you. He has your best in mind. And He has the whole universe in the palm of His hand. His ways are bigger and better. Rest in that truth. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 15 as he continues his message Commitment of our circumstances. You that I
1: in my
2: David said to Zadok the high priest, take the ark back into the city. We're not going to depend upon a religious relic to save us. I'm going to depend completely upon God. You know, I want you to think about this. How many people today depend upon things like, for example, medals that they wear around their neck or statues they have in their homes or on their front lawns? You know, they depend to them, they make their appeal to those things to save them, you know, in times of distress, in times of calamity. So, David basically is saying here listen, if we see the ark again, that's God's business, whatever seems good to him. I'm completely committed to the purpose and the plan that God may have for me. So, David here is acknowledging I cannot change what God has ordained. Knowing if I seek to fight against the plan of God, I'm destined to lose. And all I'll experience is futility and frustration. Once again, all of us need to get to that place. You know, this is what is a part of our totally being surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ. We're just leaving it with Him. Now, that brings us to our third point God may have another way. And I'm sure at this point when the news had come back to him about his son Absalom and his intentions and stuff, probably David was planning, he was thinking about, what can I do? How can I, you know, resolve this issue? How can I get myself out of this? How can I protect my family? You know, as we so often do when trouble comes to knocking at our door, you know, we're trying to calculate the ways that we're going to respond to those kinds of circumstances and situations. But I would remind you God always has another way. There's always a blueprint. God has a very definite way of uh, relieving us in those times of distress. You know, I want to share an observation with you. You know, how hard it is for those who make demands upon God to face these kinds of situations. You know, like, for example, the positive confession people, right? And, and listen, I, you know, I, I want to, you know, the name it and claim it. Uh, gang. And I'm not trying to be unkind here. In fact, I'm very concerned about those people. And, uh, you know, rather than seeking God through the counsel or through uh, prayer, you know, they just think that they can just name it and claim it. Like God is some genie in a bottle or some spiritual Santa Claus. And they make their demands of, of, of God, right? And uh, they're actually giving God the blueprint on how he might be able to get them out of their particular situations, but once again, God may have a completely another uh, way in dealing with those situations. So I'm not trying to be unkind by referring to the naming and claiming or positive confession uh, people. I'm concerned about those people. You know, the, the people have bought into that because they attend churches where that kind of a teaching is uh, taught, but it's not scriptural. Some people have misunderstood prayer, and that's the first thing that we need to do when we find ourselves in those situations. We appeal unto God through a prayer. But you see, here's the problem. People have misunderstood prayer. They think it is telling God what you want him to do, as though I am in control, and God has to submit to my authority. You see, true prayer is petitioning God for what you would like him to do, but it is asking and not telling him what to do remember the real purpose of prayer is not to get our will done but god's will done in us and through us so don't ever forget that he is the lord i am his servant he is not bound to do what i ask and i got to tell you something many times he doesn't do the things that i ask him to do and i also got to mention i'm so grateful Because, you know, some of the times in my past experience, even in my walk with the Lord, you know, I've asked them for things that would have been destructive in my experience in my walk in my relationship with uh, Him. That would have impacted my relationship with Him in a very bad way. Father really does know know best, right? And I'm so glad there have been times when i petitioned the Lord where I thought I was so right, I really needed this thing to happen or that thing to, you know, and, and God just... You know, does it in a completely different way altogether. So when immediately God doesn't respond to our prayers, and most of the times when He doesn't, we come to the wrong conclusion, like God isn't concerned about us, God really doesn't love us, God works for some people but doesn't work for me. You know, we come to the wrong uh, conclusions. Just be thankful. God hears our prayers, and you can be sure of that. So there's just been times when I've prayed for things that were outside of God's will. At the time that I prayed for them, most of the time I didn't even realize they were outside of God's will. But I'm grateful that in those times God didn't uh, give me what I asked uh, of Him because it would have been a destructive force within my life and it would have impacted my relationship with Him in the wrong way. So don't ask for things out of God's will I guess is what I'm saying not understanding what God is seeking to do in our lives you know God has this capacity to be able to look down the road and around the corner and and, you know we don't have that capacity we can't see that far ahead of us often right you know the Bible tells us all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes and we need to just stand on that promise And so when trouble comes to knocking, you know, God has allowed that in the lives of his his children. And there might be a plan and a purpose in it. We need to just commit that to the Lord. You know, God will bring something good out of it. You know, his ways are not our ways. His ways are so more superior uh, than our ways. God has resources that we know nothing about. Isn't that true? So we just need to, you know, cast all of our care and our burden upon him because he cares for us. So God may have another uh, way. We should always bring that into the equation when we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. You know, the preferred attitude, if you think about it, this preferred attitude that I'm suggesting here, this position, is a step above the you have to do it, Lord. You know, where we're making our demands upon the Lord. Lord, you just got to do this. You know, that kind of a mentality. Rather, listen, Whatever the Lord wants to do, here I am, Lord. Whatever you think is best. Whatever pleases you, God. Whatever seems good in your sight. That commitment of the whole thing unto the Lord. And listen, and I understand in times like that, it's kind of scary to, to do that, right? But has God ever failed you? I mean, think about your track record. Think about your past experiences. Listen, you're still here, right? You know, just feel yourself for a second there. You know, you've made it this far, right? He isn't going to bail out on you now. He's been faithful and true. Isn't that that right? Right? You can always trust in him. God will come through for you, even as he has done in the past. So knowing again, as I've already suggested, his ways are better than my ways. He possesses resources that I know nothing about. But isn't it funny when we find ourselves in that situation, we begin to give him all of the directions. We offer him our blueprint to get us out of that particular dilemma, right? But remember, God has a completely different way of doing things. So we just need to rest upon the truth that God loves me. God is concerned about my welfare. He is aware of the circumstances I am facing. And you'll never... You'll never face those circumstances alone. Remember, the Bible tells us he sticks closer to us than a friend. So knowing I don't know the way out, I place it in his hands. Listen to what David said, what David wrote. It's recorded for us in the third Psalm in verses 1 through 5. And by the way, this was written out of this particular situation. Absalom coming, looking to unseat his father, actually kill his father, take the city of of Jerusalem, and uh, become Israel's next king. So this psalm was actually written out of this particular experience. Psalm 3, verses 1 through 5. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice. This is the preferred way of dealing with your circumstances. Just cry out to God. And notice what it says there. And he heard me from his holy hill. And finally, I lay down and slept. You know, how how many of us can sleep when we're faced with these kinds of circumstances? Rather, we're tossing and turning, right? We're fighting with our pillow, and we're up all evening, and right? We're, We're trying to figure out you know, what tomorrow is going to bring, and, and uh, just that restless uh, night of sleep. But notice here, there's complete peace and tranquility. He says, rather, this is what I'm going to do. I lay, after he prayed, committed his ways to the Lord, his circumstances to the Lord, David said, I lay down and I slept, and I awoke for the Lord, sustain me. So, this particular psalm was written out of this experience. He didn't even know if he was going to wake up. But it didn't matter. He didn't know who was on Absalom's side at this point. Maybe some of those who had joined together in fleeing the city of Jerusalem was actually spies for Absalom. He didn't know that. But he didn't care. He just basically says, I'm going to go to sleep. Lord, I know that you've sustained me in the past. It's all in your hands whether in life and death. This attitude is even a step above prayer, if you think about it. If the Lord delights in me, he'll bring me back. I'll move back into the city of Jerusalem, back into my own house, and things will be okay once again. If the Lord doesn't, well, that's his business. Let him do what seems good to him. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. Oh, how that we need to get to that place in our life's experience when things go bad, when things go sideways. Now, the Bible speaks of, and this becomes our fourth point, a place of rest for the people of God. Now, let me give you a cross-reference for this. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 4, in verse 9. Now, I want you to stand on this promise. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Unfortunately, many Christians never come to this point in this place where they just really know that rest of God. And why is that? Because they're always fighting against what God wants to uh, to do. I find myself many times fighting against this rest that God wants us to experience, that God wants to provide for us. When the chips are down... If there's anything I can do to change my circumstances, I'll fight like a dog. I'll push, I'll shove. That self-preservation instinct begins to kick in, right? You know what I'm talking about, you've been there before. If there's a way I can do it to get myself out of that situation, I want to find it. And so the search begins. But when all the resources have been exhausted, when God closes all the doors, Everything is shut down. There's nothing else I can do. And in that moment, I find that rest as I turn it over to God. Lord, I'll just wait, watch, and see. The struggling is all over. You know, and by the way, this drives other people crazy. You know, one of our close friends becomes aware of some of the things that we're going through at that point. And uh, you know we're looking for some comfort or some encouragement from a best friend, and uh, many of those friends aren't Christians. They may be members of our uh, immediate family, and so we're rehearsing some of the things that are going on in our lives at that particular time. And uh, they ask, you, "Well, what do you, Mike? What are you going to do?" And you respond by saying, "You know what? I'm just going to trust the Lord. I'm just going to wait and see." And it drives them crazy. They, they say, "Are you nuts?" you got to do something. you got to take matters into your own hands. And usually that's the way they, re- they respond. And the reason why they respond is because they don't have a relationship with God. And they never themselves have experienced that rest that is promised for all of God's uh, kids. And so it just drives them uh, crazy. And so, <laughs> what are you going to do, Mike? Someone asks. Well, I'm not going to do anything. Why? because it is, I know, in God's hands. Now, I want you to go back to Hebrews chapter 4, and verses 9 and 11, and there's something that I want to show you here. Okay, now this is interesting. And and it almost seems as if it's a contradiction. We're talking about the rest of God, but on our part, notice what it says here. Let us therefore be diligent to enter into that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. You see, sometimes there's a real labor to get to that rest. Labor, rest, it seems like a contradictory statement. So what is the writer trying to suggest to us here? Well, basically, I have to work on getting to that rest. I need to work on that commitment. You see, because the problem is, is I'm fighting against myself. And again, as I've already mentioned, I want to take things back into my own hands rather than just slipping it over to him. I'm fighting against my own determinations, you see, rather than just leaving it with the Lord. I want to pick up my burdens again. I want to find one more way to work it out. But listen, I have to work on resting. And how do we do that? (laughs) By just simply giving it to him. You know, Jesus so often in the gospel spoke on the subject of worry, and he reminds us how worthless is worry. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. In Matthew's gospel in chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Listen, and that includes everything that you'll ever experience in life what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. And he uses this as an example. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. You know, mostly, uh, I I don't know about you, but I, I guess in New York it's pigeons. But like where I am... Man, I, you know, I live in New Jersey and, you know, we're so fortunate that we live in a place. It's, it's called the Pasquak Valley. It's really in a nice location. And uh, we have a variety of different birds that actually come into our backyard. I mean, all kinds of different birds. It's very interesting. And if I sit out, out on my patio in the backyard, uh, and I'm just sitting out there having a cup of coffee or whatever, and uh, all of the, you know, just bird watching It's just amazing, all of the different variety of, of birds. And, you know, they're just hanging out on the tree limbs. I'm surrounded by trees out in my backyard. And uh, they're not laboring to be fed. You know, they're just hanging out on those uh, tree limbs with their mouths wide open. And God just brings bugs into their mouths. Now, if God provides food for the birds of the air, how much more is he going to provide for you, seeing how that you're one of his children? So that's the idea here. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Have you ever seen a a bird with coveralls on and a pitchfork plowing the fields? I don't think so. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Verse 27. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his statue? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, so here's the conclusion, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, for after all these things, the Gentiles, and that's a word that's used interchangeably for an unbeliever, you're all believers, you're all children of God, at least, I, I, well, there may be one or two visitors here, I'm trusting that you're a believer, if not, we'll give you an opportunity to make that decision for Christ, and then all of these promises will be made good for you as well, But after all of these things, the unbeliever seek after. That's what their lives are all about. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these uh, things. So once again, Jesus says, which of you, by worrying, can grow six inches? It's worthless. That emotion of worry is absolutely worthless. So, how tragic it is, that many people spend their nights, as I mentioned before, tossing and turning without sleep, scheming, trying to work things out. So, here we are, once again, bearing our burdens. And we're all weighted down. If we would only learn to put them in the Lord's hands. Now, maybe you feel as if this very moment you're being pressed upon all sides and you don't know where to turn. You don't have the strength to face it. You don't have the assurance that all things work together for good. But listen, you have this hope. In Matthew's Gospel in chapter 11 and verse 28, Jesus said, Matthew's Gospel in chapter 11 and verse 28, Come to Me, this is the solution, folks. Come to Me, all you labor." and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the solution. We need to come to Jesus.
1: In my Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house
0: Where I long We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of 2 Samuel. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can listen online. Just go to the Resources tab. Otherwise, you can find them on oneplace.com and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Venizio. Viewing our recent services can be an option as well through Vimeo. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You get directions and service times at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, too. Just follow the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today. And we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House. There's a place
1: for-